You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Hello and welcome to the 602 Club, Track FM's local watering hole, your place to be quarantined together. And I am just one of your hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me as she is almost every single week, the one and only Christy Morris. Hello. I mean, hello. I know. Should we be more quiet? He's like, we're talking about a quiet place. And I'm like, (laughs) Matt, they'll hear you. Yeah, uh, luckily, um, we're inside. Uh, we're under, you know, mattresses and things recording. So I think we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is the perfect thing to talk about during a situation where we're all actually being quarantined. <laughs> I know, I know. This or it kind of makes you feel like a 10 Cloverfield Lane kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. When are the aliens coming? I know. Wouldn't you actually want to be in his place? You know, he has all that food. (laughs) Do you? Bet he's got plenty (laughs) of toilet paper. You know. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Well, we uh, we're obviously going to talk about uh, a quiet place because a quiet place two is going to be coming out, and we had not done it on the show. And well, that movie has been moved to another time, to which we don't know when that is yet. So. Uh, we're going to continue uh, to do our show uh, anyway, and so we're going to talk about A Quiet Place, and then uh, you'll notice over the next few weeks some some movies were going to come out, and those have been pushed back as well, so we're changing the schedule as we go, Christy and I, and I think we got some fun things that are going to be coming up. Um, we're going to dive back into some really old school stuff, and you know there are there are plenty of you know, shows out there and all sorts of things for us to be able to talk about that we've never talked about here on the show. So regardless of whether there are new movies coming out right now that, you know, because so many movie theaters are closed and honestly, uh, they're just not releasing anything. Um, And yes, you may have heard the news that Trolls, uh, their new movie is going to be coming out uh, on video demand. Sorry, we're not going to review that. We're just not going to do that. Yeah. So. But a quiet place this weekend. We wanted to thank you for joining us here at the 602 Club. Uh, This won't matter in the future, but as we're all doing this whole social distancing thing, trying to, uh, you know, keep at bay the coronavirus, um, you know, thanks for listening to us. We we hope to bring you a little bit of joy and have a good time talking about great movies uh, and shows Mm -hmm. together here over the next few weeks. And so... Make sure you tune in every single week. Make sure you're subscribed. You'll get the show as soon as it drops. Uh, You know, I know you've got plenty of time uh, on your hands right now, so hit us up with a star rating review over on Apple Podcasts. Help us out. Help other people find the show. Um, You can, uh, of course, get us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, You can find us online at uh, on Twitter at trek.fm. You can find us over on Twitter at TrekFM or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. There is the listeners-only discussion group called the Babel Conference, where you can talk to listeners from all over the world. Um, 
which is a great use of social media these days. You know, hey, we might be secluded, but we can still have a good time talking to each other and have a great time talking about fun things. Um, you know, in some ways, just get our mind off of some of the things that are going on and enjoy each other's company, maybe. Um, back to the what social media, I think, was invented for. Uh, so let's, let's do that together. Um, and then, of course, uh, you can write us an email. Go to track.fm slash contact. Choose a show and choose the Six of Two Club. That comes to Christy and I. Last but not least, I want to say a huge thank you to Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Wyan Millette, Daniel Noah. Uh, they support the network and this show through Patreon. And even in this time where everything's weird, uh, it still costs us a lot of money to put these shows out to you each and every week. Uh, and so uh, if you like what we do uh, and enjoy the joy that we hopefully are bringing you each and every week through all the podcasts here, uh, find us over at uh, patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can become part of the team. There's a lot of different perks in that you can get from different contribution levels. But honestly, in the end, especially at a time like this, every little bit helps. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm. Well, Christy, I was really interested in this. You know, a lot of times uh, as we're doing the show, we're kind of talking about the ways in which we, you know, get into a movie or got into a movie. And for me, this was a very interesting experience, um, uh, uh, an interesting, quiet experience uh, getting into this and how I kind of came to see this movie. So I was kind of wondering for you, you know, were you, when this movie is coming out, were you excited about it? Where I mean, like, is this something you saw a preview for and you, you know, you couldn't wait to see? Uh, how, you know, how did you get into this movie called A Quiet Place. I actually got into it in a different way. I was terrified when I saw the trailer initially that it was more of a murder-based horror movie. I did not get the vibe that it was sci-fi initially, and I don't like legitimate horror movies like that. Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so not my thing. I, it's too real, and I freak out, and then I have nightmares, even as an adult. So I waited until this came out um, on video or, you know, I guess DVD, whatever, and watched it at home with my husband, renting it off of Vudu, and we ended up buying it because uh, it was so interesting. But yeah, that's how I got into it, because I was too afraid to see it in the theater. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, um, so that's a really interesting, and, and it kind of parallels somewhat with me. I was not a person, I, I don't like horror movies. Those those are not my type of movies. And mm-hmm. so I've seen very, very few of them. You know, I've seen, you know, some, some movies like Psycho and that kind of thing um, where I, you would consider them to be horror. Uh, but that's just not really my vibe and it's not really the type of movie that I enjoy. And so I, I saw the trailer for this and, you know, it it didn't float my boat at all. Like I was like, oh, that looks dumb. You know, that's just kind of my first reaction to any horror movie trailer I see that comes across. Because usually there are, you know, usually it's like the turning or something like that that you see the trailer for, and you're like, oh, it's just there's awful. a jump scare and weird music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, but then this came out and it was just getting rave reviews, and I was like, okay, and it was rave reviews from everyone. You know, not just horror movie fans, but just people in general. And then, and then even on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a super high score. Mm-hmm. So I w- became really interested then in the idea of like, okay, what is going on 
with this movie? Like, what what in the world? So I went and saw it in the theaters, which is was very abnormal for me to see a horror movie there. And I would say the most interesting thing about this experience was it was a quiet experience. Uh, you know, because people were so quiet during the show like everybody's mm-hmm. trying to be quiet because the movie itself is set up that way you know it's a very quiet movie and and so people are trying to be and and it's like one of the first times i've ever been in a theater where that really happened where you know people are legitimately like they're feeling bad if they're chewing popcorn too loud kind of right thing. <laughs> chewing and really slow exactly exactly <laughs> no legitimately happening and then you know so uh, the the girls sitting behind me, uh, some teenage girls, like the jump scare would come and, and, you know, those things happen, especially the one at the very beginning. And this girl just jumps out of her seat and expletives start coming out of her mouth oh, that wow. I can't say on this show, you know, really loudly. Right. And so but it was an interesting experience because that was that catharsis. Right. We're all feeling that same way when those things would happen. And Mm -hmm. so it was so interesting to really be in a theater and it be an entire experience. The entire audience is going through at the same time because nobody's playing on their phone. Nobody was making a noise. Everybody's riveted at what's happening at the screen. And so I'll always remember this as being one of the best experiences I've ever had in a theater with others watching this movie. That, That to me just made it this really neat thing. And then on top of that, it was a movie that completely surprised me. I did not expect to really like this, right? But um, it was, I, I'm going to spoil it up front. It was good. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it completely shocked me. That's so cool to get to hear that you got that experience. Like now I'm kind of sad that I didn't go see it in the theater because I wish I had been a fly on the wall watching all of that happen with you. But I think that you're exactly right and that it, it to me, this movie and that kind of description of how the experience was for you, the most important part about the whole thing is that it was revolutionary in how the sound design worked throughout the whole movie, that silence or you know quiet was the point and that it all ties together in how it references different sound um, and then having a, an actress who is deaf actually in the movie playing a deaf character. Um, I think that it really raises the point that I've remembered in the past, which is when you try to get people to listen to you by being louder, they don't. But if you are quiet, people are straining to hear you and listen so much better than they would be if you were trying to get louder and louder. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Um, I, I think that's the thing that this, one of the things this movie does so well. Um, and so I, I think that's kind of a good idea to talk about like this, the setup of the movie and, and like the structure of the movie. Cause it's so fascinating. We don't actually start at day one with this we get plopped into the very first part of the movie is day 89 Mm -hmm. of what's happened 
And then the movie kind of fills us in as we go, as we see like newspaper clippings and everything like that. So I just wanted to ask you about uh, how you felt about the way that this movie is is structured. Because to me, this movie is a perfect picture of how you tell a story like this by just giving the audience exactly what they need and nothing that they don't. Exactly. I think that it we've learned that over and over again, that you are so much more invested in a story if, A, it drops you in the middle of the storyline instead of just starting from the beginning. This is what happened. Aliens landed on Earth, blah, blah, blah. It's so much more powerful and riveting for a viewer to be trying to figure out how this happened by dropping you in 89 days in instead of starting from day one. And then two, with getting them um, immediately in this post-apocalyptic kind of environment, you're also wondering not only how the aliens got there, but how it became the apocalyptic environment altogether. Were the aliens the cause or did it start before them and then they were just another thing along the way? I think that it's a really, really great way to tell a story and then, you know, getting to jump around to say, okay, after this amount of time now, how are the family coping with the situation? Yeah, I think one of the things that is so effective in the movie is is like you were talking about how, you know, if if you get quieter, like people have to strain to pay attention to what you're saying mm-hmm. instead of getting louder. And I think the thing that this movie does immediately is to start off so quiet. And it's just those small sounds of like pattering feet, uh, you know, pitter patter of the, of the little boy's feet, you know, at the store Mm -hmm. and you're slowly kind of moving through the store and kind of picking up what's happening. And then they'll slowly kind of pan around to some of the, the newspapers and stuff. And, and everything here just gives away exactly what this is, is that, this is a place to which you do not make noise or it can cr- cause death, you know, and the, the way they do that with um, something almost dropping, you know, and somebody catching it or uh, the, the mom slowly turning around the medicine, you know, trying to be mm-hmm. very careful not to knock everything over, trying to find the medicine for their sick son. And all of these things, I think, really... They paint the picture of what's going on. Um, and then as you, you know, move out of the store, you know, again, you you see newspaper clippings again and, and you see other things. And, and then you see this this desolate place that's been abandoned, you know, and mm-hmm. it looks like, you know, places have been torn up and, and, and there's been all sorts of you just you get the this eerie sense of this whole place and part of that is again it's just so quiet and we're just not used to that kind of quiet and i would say that the setup here is obviously affected too for the fact that that scene like that it was the most unexpected thing in the movie to me was the scene at the bridge oh, i did absolutely. not see that coming um, because you never think that they're going to hurt a kid in a movie. Right. But I felt it's the most effective thing they could have possibly done to let you know just how dangerous the situation is. Right. That it, at any time, these are not 
the heroes that are perpetually safe and the dad is going to make it just in time to save them every time. No, they're trying to get across to you that every mistake could lead to one by one, you losing all of the people that you love. And so I think they get that across perfectly that it's, it's all about family and, and people sticking together and the, and a parent's love for their children. And then what you go through hoping that you're going to be able to protect them. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the thing that I, I really love about this because that moment drives the rest of the story because as we move into them being over 400 days in the future, it really sets up this, this everything else. Like, mm-hmm. and, and it drives the character motivations for everything that's about to happen too. Um, and so I, I did have a question for you because this, you know, as we're talking about the setup, did it bother you that in any way that they never do explain anything about the aliens showing up and, and uh, whatever these creatures are just showing up? And we, I mean, we don't even know if they're aliens. We're just guessing, but Mm, like, does that bother you that we really don't get any other information about them just showing up other than the fact that they're there? Not really. That's the funny thing. It, it does kind of remind me of Cloverfield in that sense, because they don't show them arriving there either. It just suddenly they're there and you're having to fight for your life. I, I think that they do exactly what we were saying, that they give you what you need, but not everything that you might have possibly wanted. But it's okay because you buy it enough because you're so invested in the human story going on. It's sort of like what they say about Walking Dead, that the zombies are kind of more in the background and that it's more about humanity's response to disaster. I think that this movie is more about the family's response to everything happening around them than it is solely about the aliens or creatures. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. You know, this is... In many ways, I think more a story about survival mm-hmm. and family and what does it mean to be the people that protect their family in this type of situation. Like, you know, there, there's that wonderful quote, you know, and that these characters don't even have names in the movie, uh, mm-hmm. but the mom, uh, playing by Emily Blunt, says, you know, who are we if we can't protect them? Yeah, you know, there's that that incredible parent instinct um that is ingrained in every parent like who are we if we can't protect them? And so that I think is a really beautiful thing like you said. This is a, all about that those relationships and in many ways this is a relationship about family, you know, and and what keeps us and binds us together even in the hardest of times, which you know, as you were talking about, it's kind of the perfect movie to talk about, but here you have this family who's secluded on this farm and they have um, nothing and no one else other than themselves. uh, And they have to worry about being quiet all of the time because what drives this whole thing is the power of sound, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you make too large of a sound and there isn't another sound to kind of cancel it out, these aliens or whatever they are come looking for you and will kill you. And so, um, you know, I think, again, this just the setup of this movie 
is done so well and so effectively that I never asked a question to which the movie itself did not answer in a way that I was um, satisfied with in the sense that, Mm -hmm. yes, I don't know where the aliens come from or anything like that, but that's not really an important question to me in the movie. And I don't feel unsatisfied for not having it answered. Everything in here, like you were saying, is just about this family. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I like the way you were going with it too, when you're talking about the survival aspect and like, how do you get through this situation? The theme that kept running through my mind as well was how do you keep hope in a Mm -hmm. situation like that? And it's them getting pregnant again. And it's them having that moment where they put the earpiece in and they're just slowly dancing quietly, Mm -hmm. just the two of them. Like, oh, that warmed my heart. It Mm -hmm. like reminds me why I love being married to my husband. Like, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's a good, uh, let's talk about it because that's an important thing. And I think you hit on something I was thinking of as well, which is this idea that life goes on, right? Like, Mm -hmm. regardless of the situation you're in, life must go on or it just completely ends. And so, it was something so beautiful in this movie that, you know, they had lost a child in the most horrific way possible. And, you know, then they get pregnant again and they keep it. They're going to keep the baby, mm-hmm. you know. Um, And so, um, you know, and uh, you had put on here, you know, that John Krasinski had sent in many interviews that, you know, this is a a film all about parenthood and and what that means, which what it means is selfless love. Like that's what it means. And so the, the fact that these parents are willing to sacrifice in that way and they're willing to do whatever it takes to bring this child into the world and give it a loving home and keep it safe, even though by doing so it could put them in danger, but it's worth the danger. Like I just thought, you know, it's an incredible statement about what it means to have life go on, even in the most unlikely and maybe worst of circumstances. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's what this movie is, is really about. And I think this family keeps hope alive by helping to raise their children to be the type of people that would be worth living in a civilized society again. Like we don't forget what it means to be a civilized human being just because civilization is gone. That's what right. I mean, because they're teaching them. I mean, when she's homeschooling them and, um, you know, the, are they're teaching them how to survive in the sense that like he's teaching his son about the fishing mm-hmm. and those kind of things. And I just thought that was really beautiful too. So this whole thing is just kind of about, yeah, life goes on. Yeah, and, and I really love, too, that you, you touched on that about them keeping the baby and this kind of being a pro-life message that it sort of speaks to other movies you may have seen about a, an apocalyptic world where it tro- shows people's true colors and right. that there are, there are people that could possibly go the route of thinking there is no hope left. I would rather just die. Or there's the people like this that say, no, there's got to still be something to live for. And this is one of them. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I love I mean, that. I was kind of thinking of that message is kind of found in uh, Mad Max Fury Road, too. Right. You know, when they're trying to escape and it's, you know, one of them is pregnant, you know, and they're trying to save themselves and this child and find a better world for themselves in that. So, yeah, I think there there is a real beauty to that. And again, I think 
this movie is just a good reminder in the place that we are right now. Like, this is not, it's not the end of the world. Things are definitely going to change in our world because Mm -hmm. of what we're going through. But if we look through history, we've been able to make it. And the best ways to make that are not by panicking and, you know, throwing our hands in the air and being like, I'm done. You know, it, it it's about taking it one day at a time and remembering what's really important. And again, I think that's the thing that this movie does mm-hmm. is that these this these parents have been able to find the correct focus, the right focus. Um, you know, and, 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 I, you know, obviously one, it's about protecting their family. Um, and two, it's about surviving, but it's not just about surviving. They're trying to survive well, you know, in the sense of mm-hmm. like, again, passing on other things that their kids don't necessarily need at this exact moment, but like school and reading and math and all of those things. So it's going to be very important for them to know, especially as their parents get older and they're gone, and hopefully we can find, you know, a better world for them in the end. So, Yeah, and good mention of them when they're getting old. I love that moment when she's teaching her son math and she goes, I'm going to need you to take care of me when I'm old and have no teeth. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, and, and to know how to do the things, you know, like mm-hmm. there's going to come a point, hopefully, where you know they they will need math for building and all of those type of things again and so you you have to continue to pass that on you cannot they're not allowing civilization civilization to die just because civilization has been kind of um put into a moratorium because there don't seem to be a lot of people left so mhm yeah it's it's good um for for the movie, I think uh, the most important thing here is the cast to bring the story to life. Oh yeah, and so you know, I, I the John Krasinski, you know, I, as the dad here, um, he, I mean, obviously, I love him in the Office, um, and, and I've seen him in in the Jack Ryan series, but he's just on a whole other level here. And part of it, I think, is because he's playing a character that means so much to him as a father. And so every emotion he has feels so real. You know, the pain he has of losing a, the, their son, the, the struggle he has with trying to take care of his daughter that's deaf. Um, and, this, and the struggle that is because she doesn't necessarily understand why he's doing the things he's doing and he has a, they have a hard that that hard communication between teenage daughter and you know adult father and i just i think he's just i i rewatching this movie every little thing that he was doing is just so good yeah i think he it's funny i was going to say the same thing as you about him being on a whole nother level in this than we've ever seen him before because when he was in the office, he was more the comedic character. It was rare that Jim's character was very serious. Um, and so then going to this kind of thing where the entire thing is serious, you could tell that he really can be an incredible actor and showed it in this. 
and helped write the movie. I mean, the man has a gift, clearly. And then, you know, like you said, he was motivated by real life circumstances. He was dealing with something in the movie that he was dealing with in his own life. And it's being a father and understanding on a real level what that kind of love is like. And so I think, too, he then put that into all of the different facial expressions he used to get across his points in the different scenes he was in. I love that this movie is so little about the dialogue and more about the visual. And I think that he is so, so good at that. Yeah, I I mean, obviously, that's one of the things that you saw in The Office, you know, was his ability to use his facial expression to mm-hmm. give you everything you needed. And he does that so well. And, and the way that he interacts with every single person, you know, so the way that he's acting with Emily Blunt, who, you know, is so great in real life that they're married and that relationship actually really shines. The yeah. way that he's acting with his his oldest daughter. Um, and, of course, the way that he's acting with his his oldest son at this point. You know, in each one, he has a different way of interacting with them. And so much about his body language and everything just tells you about what that relationship is like, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, especially I think when he takes his son, you know, to um, the fishing, you know, uh, and and to the river and he explains, um, you know, that whole moment about them being at the waterfall and it's okay to yell and, 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 let it out. Um, and then they have that conversation about, you know, his, uh, his daughter and her, you know, his, his son's sister and how pained he is to learn that his daughter thinks that it's, that he doesn't love her. Or you that know, he like, blames her. Yeah. Then that he blames her. And when it's interesting because everybody in this movie is blaming the adult wise is a blaming themselves. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, and their oldest daughter, too. But so I, I just again, everything that he's doing, like in the decisions he's making uh, is really fascinating to me. Um, and so I, I think, you know, I couldn't have thought of a better person um, for, for the role. And again, I think it helps, you know, it, with Emily Blunt, I think she's the same way, you know, um, she is so alive in the movie in, in a movie where she barely has any dialogue, obviously like, and, and, and all of her little movements. I mean, I love the scene where she's like taking her own blood pressure and then she's Mm -hmm. just listening to the baby's heartbeat um, the absolute terror on her face, you know, but the determination when she's pushed up against the the uh, the shelves with the water pouring down and the monsters right there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like the moment uh, at the very end where I just love, you know, she looks at her daughter and then she just cocks the shotgun and it goes to black. Like, yeah, everything about this woman is, I think honestly just as badass as you know like ripley oh yeah aliens it's but it's also completely like a completely different thing as well and i just i think emily blunt is perfect in this role yeah her scene of trying to 
give birth and not be heard just blew my mind because I I told my husband, I was like, the whole time I'm sitting there going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) Because she's so good at acting out how horrible that would be because a the pain that you're going through of natural childbirth anyway, Mm -hmm. and then not being able to make a sound. I mean, that's why no wonder she finally breaks and screams. (laughs) And thank goodness they had the rocket. But yeah, that to me shows some acting chops with her, especially. Um, And then I think that you're right on point saying the two of them being married in real life, showing on screen. I think it only adds to the relationship they're trying to show between the mother and father. You can absolutely see it. Like I said, the dancing was my favorite scene of the two of them. Um, And then her entire character as far as the strength that she shows you know like she's clearly being taken care of by her husband but she's also capable of taking care of herself and her kids when he's not there and so i like that i felt that just like you're saying that that she's just as strong of a female character as someone like ripley in alien but in a different way but she's totally able to take care of herself and her kids yeah i mean there are just so many scenes I think that she shines, you mm-hmm. know, and and I it, this could definitely turn into a podcast where I just could spend, you know, an hour and a half talking about each character and the ways in which I think they really bring these these characters to life. And, and and again, I think there's a real beauty here because this doesn't always happen, but John Krasinski and Emily Blunt together, you know, not every time that you put a married couple on screen does it actually feel like they're married and that they love each other, mm-hmm. but everything just feels so natural and perfect here. I love it. And, you know, I, I think they do an absolutely phenomenal job of of bringing both of these characters to life. And I think, again, specifically, like you said, you know, those scenes where she's running down the stairs oh my gosh the every time with the nail oh, God, everyone's talking about the nail <laughs> yeah it's just awful but again the way that she brings those scenes to life of a of a woman who is in such immense pain but can still somehow keep herself quiet mm-hmm. is just astounding and 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 yeah, I mean, she is as cool of a, a superhero, basically, as you could ever get. And she's not playing a superhero. And I think that's what makes her so astounding as a character in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, what I love is that her and her husband here radiate different types of strength, but they're, they're, they're complementary towards one another and you can see that in, in how they interact with their kids, how they interact with each other, and how they're both there for one another. Um, and I think it's really beautiful. And, you know, obviously, we didn't mention this, but, you know, I, that moment at the very end where John, you know, signs to his daughter that I love you and I have always loved you is like, man, I kind of get. I I tear up at that scene every single time because it's just so moving and it's just so powerful um, to see that father, you know, 
he did. And and then what I love is that you see, you know, have you have Millicent Simmons, uh, who's playing the the deaf daughter. And I love what I think is beautiful is that they actually got somebody who was deaf in real life to play that character so that they could truly do it justice. And I think that was really important. But her reaction then to seeing what her dad has been trying to do for her and she finally puts it all together. Yeah. Was really beautiful. Um, and again, then she puts all of those smarts that her parents have been instilling in her throughout all this time to be able to figure out what the key of all of this is, you know? Right. How to defeat them. I love that. I thought she was, you know, next to John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, she's the best part of the movie. Yeah. I think of course she's, she ends up being the focus mainly of all the kids because she is the catalyst to help them fix the problem that it, it's interesting how sound ends up relating everything together so well, where she's deaf and then he is trying to make her a hearing aid that's going to work over and over and over again and can't seem to quite get it. And that ends up being the thing that the frequency is so painful to the sensitive ears of the creatures that it could possibly kill them all. And I love how you know, it, the entire thing revolved originally around you have to be quiet because their ears are so sensitive that they could hear any little thing. And then it's, you know, about the, the whole survival aspect of them seeing, for example, the one person they come across other than their family who's just lost his wife, we're guessing. And he decides you gather to kill himself because he can't live without her. And so he just shouts out and they run. I think that it it's just really amazing how they've woven all of this together based on one sense that we have. Mm -hmm. I thought there was a real beauty in being able to use this movie to kind of um, portray what it's like to be somebody who has to use ASL because they're deaf. Yeah. And what that experience is like. Um, and obviously the danger that, you know, you can tell that the father feels for his daughter because she cannot hear. And that's why he's been working so hard is to try and give her the opportunity to be able to hear because in this world, that can get you killed for not being able to hear something coming. Right. Like and that's so, him protecting her. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the whole thing about, you know, her being the teenage daughter and wanting to be more self-sufficient, all those things in the, that collision there. But I just thought it was really beautiful, too, that, you know, this gives them the opportunity because in this world, you would have to learn sign language to be able to, to communicate with one another because there are not enough places where you can just whisper to each other. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, sign language is going to be a key. And so being able to use this movie um, as an opportunity to kind of bring that to light even more and 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 kind of even celebrate the beauty of, of sign language um, and uh, what it can do um, and, and way it can open up communication. It was really beautiful. I thought that was really cool. And, you know, um, it it created that dynamic, too. Like, they even talked about, I was reading that, you know, she suggested that when she's signing back and forth with her dad about wanting to, you know, go on the trip 
with him that she kind of be very defiant in her signing, like that she's, you know, like kind of slapping her hands together and, and like really trying to get her point across, like that she's not backing down. And so mm-hmm. even just the little ways that they all thought about those ideas, um, about how the characters signed and what, what that would look like for each of them, um, I thought was really cool uh, that they had put that much thought into that. And and again, you get that because you have a character in the movie who's played by somebody who lives this life. And so therefore she's she's able to help them make this as realistic as possible. Yeah, that's something I particularly enjoyed as well because a lot of us don't understand what that is like. And so you're getting to see it play out in front of you. And then in that kind of situation, what it would be like not being able to, to speak or to hear how you get through it and using sign language. And actually I used to know the entire alphabet in sign language, believe it or not. Um, I learned it from trying to learn songs in church in sign language um, and really am fascinated by how like babies can learn sign language before they can learn to actually speak. So I think it's really a a cool thing that they added to this movie and it would make total sense. Yeah. Well, and I really enjoyed their, their, um, you know, their oldest son. And I thought he did a great job too, of being the character who, unlike his sister is much more afraid of the world that they live in. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just I thought he did a really good job of, again, bringing that to life and portraying that. I loved his scenes again with John Krasinski when they're at the waterfall. And obviously he's freaked out when his dad starts making noise. Again, he portrays that so instinctually that you buy it, you know, like because you this kid would be freaked out about any noise, not understanding that it's OK at that point. And then the conversation again that they have about his sister and the way that he like the dialogue for him felt real and the way he delivered like everything about it. I just the the cast in this movie was spot on. And, and then it's important that that's the case because this movie doesn't work if if one of the cast members can't bring it to life the way that the other characters on are. And, and nobody here lets you down. And I thought um yeah, he was wonderful. Yeah, especially having such a small cast, it is so important for each of them to be able to bring something to the table. And I think he's perfect at getting across how frightened he is. And that his sister, partially I think because she can't hear, is not as afraid because she doesn't usually know for sure right. if there's a creature around probably. But he really depends on his dad to show him how to get by in this world. And I like that they even have Emily Blunt saying to him, you need to go with your father, Mm -hmm. specifically you, because he's trying to teach you things you need to know. Right. And you can't always do that with all the kids around. Well, and I think the beauty of that is, and and, and what makes it so real is that he's taking his son because he doesn't know if he's going to be able to create the hearing aid that his daughter needs. He mm-hmm. needs his son to know how to do these things because she he knows she could do it, but it's not about her being able to do it. It's about her not being able to do it without somebody 
to go with her. Like she would always have right. to have somebody to go with her because she cannot hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so therefore she could not just go by herself. And so, again, I, I think there's a real beauty of that. This is nothing to do with, like, you know, men versus women or anything. This is just about the reality of the situation. And this this dad knows he has to start training his son to be able to do this because if she could never do it, he has to be able to. So yeah. I think that's really – I think that really works. Um, we've talked a lot about this, but the music and the sound design is so important in this movie – so I was just going to ask you just how you felt like did when they the movie's called a quiet place does it does it all work for you the way it's supposed to Oh absolutely I think that it you can tell if it works for you or not by how tense you are from beginning to end and I absolutely am every time I watch this movie it just that good in particular because of the sound design in a movie like this you know, I thought it was fascinating that it was still had some sounds, even though it was supposed to be a pretty quiet movie. Um, I love that they have the moments where they're emphasizing things like her going through childbirth and trying to be quiet or the kids accidentally knocking over a lantern while they're playing a game. And even realizing in moments when the mom tells her son a joke, they can't laugh out loud because that would be too loud. And so it, it just really gets across what this kind of life would be like at always having to be worried about making a mistake. Um, I think that also it's nice to know what music they used for this. It, all of the sound design really works for each scene as far as building that tension as well. I think that it, it would have been weird if they tried to make the entire thing without music. <laughs> I think you kind of need those sounds to emphasize um, there's a creature coming. They have that, you know, loud kind of noise um, or little things that they've then amplified the sound. Like you're noticing the, egg timer she has go off to distract the creature so I, I think that it really really works the way that they wove it all together yeah i thought it was really interesting that um the things that they did they were really doing on purpose which was you know they were were trying to get what the those what they called diegetic synchronized sounds which is like the rolling of the dice so they were being as quiet as possible on set to be able to try and get those things that then they could amplify in post-production with it so that they, it was as realistic as possible. And I, I thought I liked and I'm really glad that John Krasinski did this because um, he did add the the traditional score to the film because he didn't want this to just kind of feel like a, a silence experiment. Um, he wanted the the fans to feel like they were still and audiences to to feel like that they were still in a familiar kind of mainstream film but at the same time i just felt like the way that they again the the way the score was written the way it integrates into the movie and everything it doesn't take away from the fact that this is a quiet movie you know that 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 so much of the sound design and everything works together um and you could really tell i felt like that 
uh, the composer had worked specifically with everyone to make sure that what he was doing wasn't going to interfere with the rest of the sound design. So I thought that that mm-hmm. was that was really important, and that's what makes this all work because you can tell people put a lot of thought into this. Right. Well, and especially with when they're talking about how um, the sound designers came up with how the creatures would communicate and how how they communicate and how they hear was based on like echolocation that dolphins do. It's really interesting because, you know, bats also do the same thing. And so it reminded me more of how bats would communicate with their chirps and clicks and how their eardrums are so super sensitive and large. And you see that too, when you finally get to see the creature's heads move sort of like um, when you're watching a visual aspect of music on a screen rising and falling with the different increase and decrease in sound. You're seeing the alien or creatures um, plates on its head go up and down to hear better. And then you're seeing several times the camera zoom in on its eardrums on either side of its head, sensing different sounds. So I, I love how they, added that piece to this because I think otherwise a lot of things wouldn't work. Yeah, no, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. And, and I think again, this is something that you can really tell that people put a lot of thought into. And I think part of that comes down to, you know, when John Krasinski came in to this, uh, he helped rewrite the script and, of course, his direction, I think, makes a huge difference. And this is his first major studio film to direct. And this movie, I think, is fantastic. The shot composition in it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of scenes in this movie that just look like an art house film. Um, the direction that I think he ga- gives all of the cast is perfection. And I'm so excited. I mean, I don't know when we're going to get to see, uh, you know, the second part of this. But I'm really excited to see his direction there. But I'm also excited to see what else John Krasinski might do as a director. Because I think he's done something that's really special here. And I, I'm, for one, ready for more movies directed by John Krasinski. I'm 100% with you. I think that he really makes you feel the weight of this film. And it's unbelievable that he was in a movie with his wife and then also directing it and everyone else, you know, I really was blown away. And so I absolutely can't wait for Quiet Place 2 and think that he should direct and star in many more. No, I'm right there with you. And and this is... um... A movie to which, you know, again, I don't love horror movies, but I I come back to more often than I would have thought just because there's so much to it as a film. There there really is. It's so much more than a quote unquote a horror movie. You know, this movie is a character movie about this family. And so I'm really excited to see where you are with your ratings for A Quiet Place. I would think it'd be pretty clear at this point. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something you haven't said yet. Well, I will tell you there was one, or I guess we'll call it a a plot hole, an inconsistency. I don't know if maybe a scene was cut. There was a point where she had just had the baby and he and the mother are um, down in their little foxhole with the mattress over them. 
and he goes out to go look for the other two kids and leave her with the baby. And you can see as he leaves that he puts the mattress back over the hole that she's down inside of. But then somehow one of the creatures gets down in there with her. And so I thought about it and I was going, well, well, he definitely didn't leave the door open, quote unquote door, mattress off of the hole. Right. So she would have known that it was in there because it would have had to move the mattress to get down in there. So that was a little yeah. off. But I mean, it, you really don't notice unless you're kind of off chance going, wait a minute, how mm-hmm. did he get down in there? It's not a huge deal, but it's it's just odd. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, that is definitely something where you're like, okay, I guess they could have moved it and that's fine, you know, so. Yeah. Did, but or maybe he was yeah. in there all along. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but so I, overall, I would give it a nine and a half out of ten um, red light bulbs because I thought that nice. was another cool thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, I am right there with you. Um, I am. I think this movie is fantastic. It's definitely four and a half out of five broken down trucks. Uh, it's just this is a great movie, and and again. Uh, the acting here is is just fantastic, and so, um, yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, and so, uh, normally, Christy, we would do um recommendations at this point, but I thought instead of doing that, we kind of might tell um people a little bit about some of the things that uh we are going to be doing coming up here on the show. Because again, um, we reorganizing our schedule with um with things, and so. We do know a couple of things. Next week, we're actually going to be talking about um, Swiss Family Robinson. And um, then we're going to be covering uh, soon uh, Ghostbusters 2, the TV show Lock and Key over there on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be doing Predator as well. So that should be interesting. And um, we'll continue to let you know some of the other things that we're going to be doing as the schedule kind of shifts around. Hopefully through all of that we'll actually be able to possibly uh talk about black widow when it's supposed to come out there in may but who knows so um but again so we have plenty of things to talk about so in our recommendations we'd recommend you catching up on those things (laughs) yeah go back and watch some of those things maybe you've never seen swiss family robinson it is now available on disney plus Maybe you've never seen Lock and Key. That's new on Netflix. Yeah, and I'm excited to see it because I haven't seen it yet, and you have. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to being able to watch it. Um, and yeah, this is you know it's one of the joys, uh, the, the small joys that we have, is being able to maybe catch up with some things that we haven't gotten to do yet, whether it's what we're reading or what we're listening to or mm-hmm. what we're watching. So excited to be able to do that with you here on the show as we go all the way back to something like a Swiss Family Robinson uh, to all the way to something new like Lock and Key. So, But Christy, again, this is a great time for us to be able to connect with each other on social media and to encourage each other and have a good time with each other talking about uh, enjoyable things, not just the things that maybe aren't so enjoyable. So where can people find you? 
Yeah, please come and find me, especially since we have some extra time on our hands. You have no excuse now. Uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And I'll be in the Babel Conference, of course. And then when I'm not on the 602 Club, I'm on a couple of other podcasts. I'd love for you to give us a listen. Uh, I'm on a show with my friend Teresa on the Skynet Network. Uh, called Sabres and Spells. And we talk about Star Wars, Harry Potter. We just did our episode called Spells, how we got into Harry Potter to begin with. Um, so I hope you'll tune into that. And then I do a show called Planet Leia on the Fanthatrax Network, where myself and five other women from around the world talk about Star Wars. And lastly, I do a segment once a month on the Star Wars Report called Fashion in Five about men's and women's Star Wars fashion. Well, and you could find me here on the network doing the orb with Chris Jones talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I'm also uh, over on the Nerd Party Network doing two shows. One is called Owl Post with Drea Kaufman as we talk about Harry Potter each and every week, one chapter at a time. I'm also doing Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills as we talk about Star Wars each and every week. And there is so much to talk about there. So um, you'll want to check that out. And then last but not least, I'm doing Cinema Stories with my good friend Courtney, and we talk about films through the lens of faith. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? 